Hey, my name's Josh, if you don't know me. Um, I am on the speaking team here at Nexus, and also I'm on staff here um, at Gaten and um, hang out with high schoolers and college students on a regular basis. So um, if we don't know each other, come say hey. If this is your first time, we are so excited that you're here. We have been preparing for you all week, and we are so glad that we get to be here, even in the rain, in the slush. Um, we are excited and ready to be here and talk to our Lord today. So um, we've been in this series called New You, and uh, Mike started it last week, and I get to continue it this week. And this time of, at the beginning of a year, we go through an evaluation process, right? We go through a time of looking at what happened in the last year and going, okay, I want to change some things in the future. But I think we would miss it if we didn't actually look at the last year. So for me, I looked at last year and I said, last year. So last year was, right? So you can fill in that blank for yourself, right? Last year was, let's see if you have the same answer that I had. Last year was busy. Last year was busy, right? Like we just got out of possibly the busiest time of the year, right? So this is what my um, season, my holiday season, I don't know why they call it that. So holiday in England means that you take a vacation, right? Um, here, holiday season is the busiest time of year and I think is that way around the world. Um, but my holiday season started with me speaking here just a few weeks ago on the 23rd, right? So I spoke here on the 23rd. On the 24th, we had three services. Um, that's Christmas Eve. So then I had to drive from there to Virginia Beach, spent Virginia Beach with my wife's family, um, and was there for the 24th and 25th, turned around, came back on the morning of the 26th so that my wife could be at work for the 26th and 27th, flew out to go to Texas on the 28th, um, didn't get there until like, a, uh, like 7 o'clock at night for my brother's birthday. Um, spent the next few days with my family until the first, flew back on the first, got back in at one o'clock in the morning, and then turned around and at one o'clock in the afternoon left for Passion Conference, which was amazing, with college students in D.C., was there until Friday, got home on Friday. We stayed up from like, I don't know, we got up at seven, went to bed at like midnight, and then got back on Friday and had to preach a sermon on Sunday for the youth. So... Things were busy, right? And things get busy. And you know how this goes and every parent in the audience is going, yeah, wait till you have kids, right? Right? Uh, it's like, you think you're busy now, just, just you wait. But we get in this time where things are busy. And busy's not bad, right? All those things I just talked about, those are really good things. I went and met with my wife's family. I got to be with my family in Texas. I, I got to go to the Passion Conference. Those are amazing things. But if there's not a point to where the busyness stops, if there's not a point to where we put a cap on how busy we become, then it gets out of control. We live a lifestyle of busy. Busy has become a lifestyle. So... I think that this is the world that we live in, right? I mean, it's happened over the last decade. Um, Michael actually referenced it a while ago, and we pull out these cell phones that are now smartphones, and you've got access to your email, you've got access to everything you could possibly need, like 
and you pull it up and you go to it immediately, right? I find myself all the time going to Instagram without even trying, right? You just pull up your email to check it who knows how many times a day. And we do this week after week after week, and we never slow down enough to realize what we're doing. We're busy. And it's not really our fault, but our work has become instant, right? We're constantly on our laptops. We're constantly, there's this new thing that they have on your, <laughs> Apple's actually seen that there's a problem with this, right? They give you your screen time for the week now, right? They tell you you've been on too long or this is what it looks like. And then you look down at it and you're like, ooh, I've been on for five hours this entire week, right? I, I looked at mine earlier and they were like, you've been down 5% and still four hours a week, right? So I'm like, oh, ooh, I don't know that I like that. Right? And, we, and we feel that pressure. We feel that we get home and then the work never really stops. And everything is efficiency and performance-based now. But that would be great if we got to use the extra time that we saved by resting. But we don't, right? It just means that the demands get higher. It just means that now we work 24-7. Now your boss could call you and immediately you have to answer that phone call. And that's not a bad thing in certain worlds, Right? But if there's never a point to, we, to where we say enough is enough, then it never stops. And what happens is we get really tired, right? We get to this place to where we all kind of end up like this. So I love that, right? That's how I feel like, like after a youth retreat, I'm like, I take a nap here. I just take a nap here, right? So that's, I think that's how we get a lot of times, right? We get to this place where we're like, wherever, I can sleep wherever I'm at, right? And so this is our lives and this is what we've become. And honestly, why do we do this to ourselves, right? We get to this place where we're like, I just want to take a nap. I just like, I'm so sick of this. Like, just please give me some rest time. But why do we do this to ourselves? I believe that it's because we live in a society of more. We are addicted to more. We're addicted to the better car, the better house, the better things, the more money, the more assets, the more. We're addicted to more. And no matter how much we get, no matter what college we get into, no matter what that next thing is, whenever we get it, we still want more. And honestly, we'll sacrifice anything we have to to get it, right? We sacrifice our health. We sacrifice our families sometimes. And... Honestly, uh, as I've looked around, um, anxiety and depression is up. Main cause of that is stress in your life. And as I've talked to people who are youth pastors like me, the number one thing that every youth pastor is talking about right now is mental health within students because there is pressure on these students to succeed, right? 
And we all feel this. We all know that this is true. And so we've pursued after more because we're addicted to it. But it's making us miserable. And somehow we look at all of this and we say, this isn't the way it should be. This isn't the way our lives should be. There's got to be something, there's got to be a different way, right? And God agrees with us. God says, yeah, you know what, you're right. It shouldn't be this way. And he's actually figured out, not figured out, he's actually put it into the rhythm of the way we were created. He's put it into the natural rhythm of the world itself that we should not be this way, that we should rest, that we should have a time of rest. But not just a physical rest, right? Not just, okay, I need a nap, but like, I need a spiritual nap sometimes, right? I need a time to just not think about all the things. I don't take, think we take a lot of those spiritual breaks sometimes where we don't we aren't consumed because even if we're not on our email, we're constantly thinking about whether we have email or not. We're constantly thinking about, oh, what's that project that I have to do next? What's that next thing I have to do? What's the next whatever that thing is, right? So in that, um, God actually tells us in a couple of different places throughout the Bible that we need rest. And I want to look at two of them today. Um, so if you would, go ahead and turn to Exodus 20. Exodus 20, we're going to look in verse 8. Verse 8. And um, so, a little prep into Exodus. Exodus is the story of God and his people. Okay? And that's actually what the whole Old Testament is about, is about God and Israel, which are his people. And Exodus is the story of how God releases Israel from Pharaoh in Egypt, okay? So this Pharaoh is ruling over them. These guys were slaves to the Pharaoh in Egypt. And the story of Exodus is how he releases them, right? And so what happens is, I don't know if any of you have been around church or been in church, but um, he has this pretty amazing plan about how you, like, this guy holds out a stick. His name's Moses, right? He holds out a stick, and it parts, like, the Red Sea, and they walk through it, and then, like, the Pharaoh's army gets, like, trounced by the water that was just open, but now it's closed, right? And then they get to the other side, and they're in the wilderness, and God gives his people some guidelines, right? Gives his people, um, some people would call it a rule book. And maybe you've heard of this. It's called the Ten Commandments. Um, And the Ten Commandments are for me, as I've looked at them, yes, they are commandments They are things that we need to live by. But that's because it's built into the rhythm of the world as it exists. Right? That we need to do these things because this is how the world functions. And if we want to navigate through life successfully, we need to be looking at these and going, okay, how can I line my life up with this, with how the rhythm of the world works? Right? So, this is what he says. And he has a special, um, so he tells us things like, Um, Hey, don't kill each other, right? Or, um, hey, don't have any other gods before me. Like, I'm first. Or, hey, don't lie. 
or hey, don't want something that somebody else has, right? And there's one of these that we don't pay attention to a lot. It's this word that we have the special word for rest, and it's called Sabbath. It's called Sabbath, right? And I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but it's this idea that we would take one day out of the week and we would devote it to just resting in God, that we would just rest, and that it would be not only a physical rest, but a spiritual rest. And this is what he says. So this is Moses talking to the people in Israel. This is one of the Ten Commandments that he got from God. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So um, if you go back and look in the original creation story, when God did this little last part, right, where he rested on the last day, it's in Genesis 2-2 if you want to go read it. And um, in that, he says that he rested in his completed work, right, that he was resting after he completed these, these first six days. Okay. Then he does something that, for me, seems a little weird. Um, He blesses it and makes it holy. He blesses it and makes it holy. Well, there's two other times that this happens within the creation story. Okay? He blesses two other things. He blesses the animal kingdom, and he blesses humankind. Right? And both times when he says that, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Okay? Now, this is the same blessing that he does with the Sabbath day. Okay, same blessing. It's the same blessing that he did whenever um, Noah got off the ark, and he said, be fruitful and multiply, right? It's the same blessing that he gave to Abraham whenever Abraham was going to become a great nation. This is a multiplying blessing, okay? And anytime this blessing happens, it multiplies whatever is going on. And usually this is a multiplying blessing for people, But in this instance, he makes it for a day. Why is that? I believe that the reason why this is is because Sabbath multiplies our life. That as we rest in God, he multiplies us by resting. That he builds us up to more than we can be. See, there's also another translation of this word for blessing, and it actually means to kneel. And I think that's a beautiful representation of what this is, that as we kneel before God and his will for us, that he would make us more than what we could be on our own. That as we submit to him and say, God, I'm going to rest in you, that he brings us up to more, that he creates greater within us. But we forget, don't we? We forget that he even said this sometimes. We forget to stop and rest. We pursue after more. And honestly, um, we get busy again. But Israel did too, right? Israel did too. And what happened is they forgot to follow after God and his natural rhythms. And what God did is he said, hey, look, 
in my mercy, I'm going to let you wander around in the wilderness. And I'm going to let a new generation take over. And what's going to happen here is God gives his law a second time. This happens in Deuteronomy. Okay. So this is the second place that I wanted to look. It is in uh, Deuteronomy 12. So if you want to turn there. And Deuteronomy, actually, if you, if you know what that word means, it means second law. Right? So this is the second time that he has brought the law to his people. And he's saying, I'm giving you the rhythms again. This is the way that you need to live within my world in order to function within it. Right? In order to navigate the world as it is, follow these rules. Right? Okay, so this is what he says in verse 12. This is Deuteronomy 5.12. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you should not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. That sounds really familiar, right? That's the same exact thing. Okay, this is where he changes it up. Okay, so in verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. That's, I, I mean, it's a little weird, right? Like, why would you say that to somebody? Remember that you were slaves. Like, we have this within the own our own history within this country, right? You don't have to remind people that they were slaves. 150 years ago, we had slaves within this country, and we're still dealing with the consequences of that, and we know that slavery is bad. That is evident to us. We went to the Passion Conference, and there is a whole program talking about it's called the End It Movement, and it's talking about how we're trying to release everyone from slavery across the world. We know that slavery is bad. Why do we need a reminder of that? Why do you need to be reminded that you were in slavery? Remember, this was like only one generation after. This is 40 years after the first time he gave them the law, after they had been released. Why is he reminding them? Because they were slaves. They no longer are. Because a slave doesn't have freedom from work. A slave doesn't have freedom from work. That's why he brings this up, is because in this, you don't have freedom to say when you're going to work and when you're not. And so as a way to observe the Sabbath, you're saying, remember, you're not a slave anymore. You get to say when you get to rest. And actually, um, Pharaoh didn't like this, right? They tried to rest. They tried to honor their God while they were in Egypt. And, and this is what Pharaoh says. He says, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Look, the people of the land are now numerous and are stopping them from work. And you are stopping them from working. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Complete the work required of you for each day, just as when you had straw. Lazy, that's what you are, lazy. That is why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. 
You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. And that's in one chapter of Exodus. Right? That's, we feel that. Like, I, I feel lazy sometimes because I'm not doing something constantly. But yet, that is what Egypt was. And God released his people from that. So why do we even look at that? Why does that make sense? Egypt was a long time ago. Because Egypt was the more society of their day. Egypt was the addicted to more culture of their day. And we now live within that addicted to more culture. So, how do we get released from it? What does that look like? Sabbath symbolizes that release from the tyranny of more. And that tyranny of more is what has become our addiction, right? That tyranny of more, the, the things, the next thing, the whatever it is, the bigger house, the nicer car, the, the job promotion, whatever that more is. And we're addicted to it. So when we observe Sabbath, when we practice Sabbath, we rest in God's finished work and we break our addiction to the more. We practice Sabbath, we rest in God's finished work and we break our addiction to more. So Sabbath is our freedom from work and um, the last thing I want to do is give you another to-do, right? Because this is a freedom from to-dos, right? So how do we do this? What does it look like? Well, it looks different for a lot of different people, right? What you think is restful is not what I think is restful. Um, when I was a single guy, I used to go drive around and I'd listen to worship music. I, I like driving um, really to nowhere. So I lived down in Virginia Beach um, when I was single not that long ago. And um, I would drive around and I would go down to the North Carolina-Virginia border, like close to the coast. And I would just drive and listen to worship music and I'd find a place and I'd stop. And I'd read my Bible for a little bit, and then sometimes I'd go eat barbecue, right? Because that's what I love to do, right? And so that's what Sabbath looked like for me in that season. Now it looks a lot different. Now I'm married with a wife, so I spend my Sabbath with my wife. Yesterday we spent it hanging out at the house because it's cold outside, right? Like, but if it's warm outside, maybe we go for a walk. Now, my wife would go for a run because she finds that relaxing. Me, on the other hand, no, not going to happen. Like, I'm not going for a run to relax myself. That's torture. So, um, for me, that's not what I'm going to do, right? But I might go for a bike ride. I like bike rides. They're nice. What you find restful and what another person finds restful are probably not the same thing, right? And it may be not even the same thing within this, like, one week it is restful, the next week it's not, right? So, like, if going to the grocery store is something that you find fun and relaxing, maybe you go one week. But if it's part of your to-do list and something you have to do, it's probably not going to be restful, and you shouldn't go do that this week, right? So you have to function and say, is this restful? So this is going to lead me to four different things that I, I want to look at real quick. And they're plan, unplug, worship, and rest, okay? Plan, unplug, worship, 
and rest. Okay, so the first one, plan. Now, if your boss asks you for a meeting or your biggest client, um, somebody that's really important, if they ask you for a meeting, what are you going to do? You're going to go, okay, let me, like, figure out how I can fit this into my schedule, right? Like, how am I going to get this accomplished? Why don't we do that with God? I mean, this is the creator of the universe. If we really put him in his rightful place, then that would be the number one thing on our calendar, right? That there would be no client that would be bigger than him, that there would be no boss that would trump this. Now, that's hard. I'm not, I'm not, like, I get that. But at the same time, like, it's something that God is saying, look, if you want your life to be good, like, if you want to know how to navigate this, like, let's get into the rhythm here, bud. So, plan. Put it on your schedule. And you got to be careful here because I, I don't want to get legalistic on it. I don't want it to make, I don't want to make it one more thing you get to do, right, or have to do. This is a rest from to-dos. This isn't a have to do, okay? So you got to come into it with the right mindset about that, but put it on your schedule. Second one, unplug. Um, this is one of those things. If you've got direct access to your email, it may make sense for you to turn off your phone and put it in a drawer on your Sabbath. It may make sense to throw your laptop in the closet. It may make sense to take your TV, unplug it, and put it in the closet, right? Whatever it's going to take for you to unplug, for you to not be consumed by whatever it is. And sometimes it's not even like work stuff. Sometimes you just get consumed by Instagram, right? Sometimes it's that game on your phone that you just want to do something. And this is going to feel weird up front, right? If you've got five hours worth of screen time a day, and then all of a sudden you've got no screen time, it's going to feel strange. It just is. So what we need to do is we need to learn how to rest in him. And that leads me to my next one, worship. My question for this is, is it worship? Do I find that I'm resting in him when I do this? That could look a lot of different ways. It could look like reading your Bible. It could look like listening to worship songs. It could look like just finding some time outside and enjoying creation. But is it worship? Do you find joy in God by doing this thing? And the last one is, is it restful? Do you find rest in it? Is this something that relaxes you? Take a nap, right? Do something to where it like fills you up after you're done doing it. So that's my four things. Plan, unplug, worship, and rest. And um, we're going to have these. Well, I'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, but I think if we do that, and I think if we will actually Sabbath, we'll actually rest in God. When we practice Sabbath, we'll start to see that stranglehold that busy has on our life start to release. We'll start to really rest in God's finished work. And we'll break our addiction to the more. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. We'll learn how to navigate life better. 
whenever we can rest in him. So if you would, pray with me. God, we are thankful that you give us the ability to rest in you. God, this is not something that's easy. God, we pray that you would teach us how to do this. God, and as we learn to rest, that we would seek you in the midst of all of it. God, and I pray that you would release us from our addiction to more. God, that you would allow us to rest in your finished work and the work that you've done through your son, Jesus. God, I pray that you would allow us to live for you in everything that we do. God, and that if you call us to rest, that we would do that faithfully. God, I'm just thankful. Thankful for the people who are in this room. I'm thankful that you love us and you care for us enough to give us something like Sabbath. It's in your precious and holy name, I pray. Amen.